Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Welcome to another edition of Coexist on IQ Podcast. I'm your host, Co Lewis, and creator of Coexist. This is Conversation for Conservation. And I, to say that I'm excited and elated would be the understatement of the century because we have an amazing guest. And I'm so happy that Leif Cox of the Orangutan Project is going to be my first guest of 2021. What a way to start the year. Goodbye, 2020. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. But um, a little backstory on this podcast, how it originated and, you know, how we get these amazing guests. And, and the reason why we get these amazing guests is I started this podcast after a 30 plus uh, year career in radio. I wanted to use the platform to expand and help other foundations and other great people who do great work around the world. And having a foundation myself started in 2015, a co-founder of Nisefu Wildlife with Victory Wallace, you know, you kind of realize how difficult it is to start a foundation, to support a foundation and keep the project going. I mean, it's a it's a challenge on a daily basis. And this man, our special guest tonight, um, has been doing this since 1998. And I, I don't even know where to start. I mean... You are uh, an author of several books we'll talk about. You have uh, many awards that you've won, including the Order of Australia, which is an amazing honor. And it's amazing, but very worthy and very deserving of the work you've done. Uh, you you know, oversee other foundations that are all tied into the Orangutan Project. So it's under the umbrella. And it makes sense when we break it down why this all works why you're part of international tiger tiger project international elephant project and many others so uh Leif cox thank you so much for joining us how are things in australia oh wonderful to be here and yeah no things are fantastic in australia except for i'm not allowed out yeah. um I'm, yeah. I'm hoping um yes um that will change over the year and i can um, get back out into the field so when was the last time you were actually out in the field? And I take it you're in Borneo and Sumatra mm. all the time, correct? Yeah, I, I, I spent a lot of my time, you know, traveling um, on various locations in Sumatra and Borneo virtually, you know, in a continuous cycle throughout a year. And that's kind of been my routine for some time. And, um, you know, 
almost quite literally, I, I, you know, I got the last flight out of Indonesia back to um, Australia before they um, closed the borders. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've been sitting here um, working remotely, having um, online Zoom conferences with all the great local partners. And we also have, yeah, in for the Rangtang project, we have a great um, um, advocate and um, conservation hero, Hardy, um, who founded the Centre Rangtang project. So he's come over and joined the Rangtang project as our field manager. And he's out there now with the rescue team um, um, looking to rescue orangutans and, and um, prevent um, rainforest destruction. And so he's really stepped up the plate um, to um, help us um, fill any gaps that have been led by the COVID crisis. Yeah, this is a big, you know, this, your foundation is, there are a lot of moving parts. And if I'm correct, do you have 11 locations that you guys are overseeing in Sumatra and Borneo? Is 11 correct? Mm -hmm. So oh, we, we, yeah, yeah, no, it's probably something like that. Um, and what, what happens is um, we're all about partnerships. Um, and we develop organizations and um, foundations and companies to meet the specific requirements to save the individual ecosystems with specific tailor-made actions. And so um, I sit on the um, advisory group for um, um, various companies which are um, um, applying for or leasing or managing land or um, local yesans or foundations which are enacting direct on the ground action and so through a diverse and and you know and powerful group of partners we work collectively in, in, you know to achieve the outcome and so i would say why humans are so successful not because we're very smart in themselves or very capable with themselves but if we learn how to collectivize you know, and join together and work cooperatively we can achieve a lot and the orangutan project is not about the orangutan project. It's just legal fiction in a sense created to achieve an outcome. It's about us using whatever's necessary to collectivize and achieve maximum outcome in the field. Yeah, and it's funny you mention that because we just, with our foundation, we just had a discussion with the group that wants to, you know, they kind of identified the same need that if you have all these organizations working independently, that's a lot of waste of time and resources when you can compile everything and put everything together and, and have a structure, you can achieve a lot more, probably uh, cheaper because of volume. And so yeah. funny that you mentioned that because we just literally had this discussion with the group back in Zimbabwe. It, no, exactly. And, and what typically can happen is people, if they don't have that happiness and joy within themselves, are seeking external verification from that, you know, through name, fame, money, and power, even if they're under the guise of social service and being a conservationist. And so they start competing their, their ego, their publicity, their organizations against others. And it actually not only is inefficient use of resources, it's actually counterproductive. You know, you have organizations presumably on the same side, spend more time fighting and arguing amongst each other than you know the, the the people who are actually uh, invested in destroying the environment and destroying the species and so i always say we have to reform ourselves before we can reform the world and a big part of that is is becoming absolutely happy and content with ourselves and then we can easily perform selfless actions and then it's easy to cooperate it's easy to 
give reputation, fame, power, you know, that makes sense, and, and, and yeah. money to others in yeah. order to achieve the outcome because you no longer require that internal support for your happiness. You know, I I feel like like God put you in my path for a reason because you are speaking about things that are really things that we've been dealing with, issues that we've talked about. And a, a, a guy I very much respect, Dr. Thomas Snitch, who's a wildlife crime expert. He said, he said, Co, when you start this project, get ready for the jealousy and the infighting. I'm like, what? I thought we were all on the same side. Like, I, I, I'm like, I, when I hear people say things, I'm like, are, uh, are we doing the same thing? Like, what? who's in this for fame? I'm here to like get stuff done. I don't know about anybody else. And that seems to be what you're well, doing. It, it, exactly. I mean, the irony is, you know, if, you know, we want to be a hero and save the world. We need the enemy. Superman needs Lex Luthor, you know, um, otherwise he's just a, you know, a strange guy in underwear on the outside, you know. You, so, so you know, so, in other, so there's kind of this symbolic relationship for people who want to do good in the world and be seen to be better than others because I'm doing good. So oddly enough, it ends up they're not really arguing or fighting the people in a sense they're actually combating because there's this kind of, somewhat sick symbiotic relationship which is not recognized but the conservation is down the road if he gets that grant or he gets that article or that makes you know well that's taken away something that you know i feel i deserve and, and i need to support myself because i might find i was actually lying to myself you know i'm i i, I may have started intentionally off for a selfless cause but my inner need is creeping in and destroying everything that i'm creating and so what you often see is a cycle of people and organizations, um, raw ambition and um, ego can get you quite a distance initially, but it falls down like a house of cards and you never really achieve anything long lasting. It's only through selfless action and collectivizing with others that we can get out of this mess. And, yeah. and so this is why often you might mention my books, they're getting more philosophical <laughs> as they go along because you know we, we really have to not use the same selfish short term maybe to want for a better word masculine doesn't that approach um, to that got us into this mess we can't use the same approach to get us out of this mess well that's I'm glad you shared that because part of the reason why I started this um, podcast was for baby foundations to listen and to learn because these are all steps that we've all tripped over. We we thought this was the way to go, but then we found out, no, that was a waste. You know, you want to go to somebody who's got experience and you started uh, this foundation back in 1998. So you have a lot of experience under your belt that you can share with others. And if we can get the word out to foundations out there, we may help them avoid pitfalls of what baby foundations go through. So, mm -hmm. so let me ask you this. Um, I always like to find out what was the impetus? What, what got you into the field of conservation? Was it a pivotal moment or was this just something that was inside you? You knew you had to do something for the greater good. What, where did that all come from? Um, I, I guess since, you know, um, leaving university, I've never really worked a day in my life in a sense. I've kind of just done what I wanted and you know, I've had the opportunity, someone's at least paid for my living while I've just done what I wanted. And initially, it was working with 15 orangutans um, here in Perth. And um, 
wonderful self-aware persons the most beautiful noble creatures i've had a privilege to get to know and raised from babies and taken from babies all the way back to the wild nursing them being a orangutan mother and what of course discovered is there may not be humans but the self-aware person same as us and as i'm describing i actually i think a far more noble form of person than we see expressed in the human species and they didn't belong in captivity like all persons we don't do well in captivity and also of course quickly discovered from my you know going up into borneo and helping rescue orangutans on my holidays is that they've been driven to extinction in the most horrible way that we can imagine being burnt alive and shedding to death and and so that really then just said well okay this seems like a useful um dedication of my life you know to to save these voiceless persons who not only ha uh, have such individual suffering um their whole species may be lost unless we make um, real meaningful action over the next 10 years we have 97 percent of the same dna i mean these are living, breathing, sensitive creatures. They have structure. They have intelligence. They are, like you said, self-aware. These are absolutely amazing animals on this planet. And you're right. What's going on with, with deforestation, with um, just the, the crushing, you know, they're surrounded by the enemy on all sides, literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you, so a hundred years ago, I, I guess World Wildlife Fund or something came up with a figure that there were approximately 230,000 orangutans in the wild. I don't know mm -hmm. if that was a correct figure. Where do we stand right now, number-wise, and how are we doing right now with saving them? Um, well, there's actually three species of orangutans. Um, and the Bornean orangutan has three to five subspecies. So they're a diverse group. And so it's not just an, an orangutan in, in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, the Bornean orangutan, there's probably about 45 to 55,000 left and about 5,000 a year being killed. The Sumatran orangutan, about 14,000, and the Tapanuli orangutan, about 800. Each one of these are critically endangered. And, you know, and we're seeing you know, um, systematic loss of the habitat and loss of population year on year. And why I say we've got 10 years to turn this around is because we need to save enough viable ecosystems of the right type, shape and size of forests in order for um, populations to survive. That, you know, for example, in 50, 60 years time, there may still be orangutans, but the populations will be unviable. But we only got the next 10 years to do that. Otherwise, you know, there may be rainforest, but maybe orangutans, but the rainforests and the orangutan populations will no longer be sustainable. And incidentally, that's the same timeline for a whole planet. And, and these things are intrinsically linked. We've got the most important 10 years in all of human history. After millions of years of evolution, we have the privilege and the obligation to live in the most important 10 years of our species and our planet. And so this is this is a time um, that we we need to consolidate and act now. So um, the project, you know, overall, I'm you know, caring and having a foundation has many aspects and many things that a foundation does. Um, what are the what would you say are the big three things that the Orangutan Project does um, 
is it is it rescuing? Is it uh, working with corporations about deforestation and, and teaching them there's got to be a different way? I mean, what would you say is the number one priority with you guys right now? What is mm-hmm. what is the key? Okay, I can describe it from from two different angles: a practical and a philosophical, uh, and they meet. Practically, we're going to save five to eight complete ecosystems, the right type, shape, and size of rainforest to save the orangutan populations mm-hmm. in the next 10 years, the elephants and tigers, the biodiversity, and the indigenous. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Local human population that needs to survive off this forest. And this will then support sustainable economies uh, for not only Indonesia, but the whole world through, through mitigating climate change. So that's our big picture strategy. And like a doctor looking at each ecosystem and describing the right medication and the right dosage to most efficiently cure disease and save the complete ecosystems. Yeah, so the the ecosystems you were talking about, not only are you protecting the orangutan, but several other species underneath that. They're they're all tied together. So when you save one ecosystem, it's not one species you're saving. You're saving countless species and, and keeping these ecosystems healthy. So... Um, so great. So that's one of the angles. So please continue. Yeah. And just following on from that, see why I work with the tiger, I found the tiger approach and elephant project, because the idea is if we save the orangutans and these ecosystems under the umbrella of the orangutan, every, everyone else gets a free ride underneath that conservation umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we found is there are a couple of species falling outside the umbrella. Tigers have Pacific um, criminal syndicates coming in and poaching them, the elephants a human elephant concept was a human population and in specific management because they had these herds scattered across the island which were no longer connected. And so we, we had to develop separate projects to bring all the remaining species under our strategic outcome. But yeah, following on to the, the next point is that there's only one problem in, in the world is the lack of compassion for other living beings. You know, this is... The, you know, and so if we have compassion for orangutan, tigers and elephants and indigenous communities, future generations, people who live in other countries of different races and religions, the problems will be solved. It's our ability to exploit others for, for personal gain, which is the root of the problem. And so, for example, you, you know, people may be surprised in one of the ecosystems working in, we actually are feeding all those children because we're... Um, the, the big multinationals have taken the land and the the local community cannot find enough food anymore because they're a victim too and their kids are going to school malnourished. So we're feeding the children at school and providing them education while we help the local communities move from slash and burn agriculture and, and hunter and gathering, which was actually sustainable when they had enough land, when the, if their traditional land rights were respected. Um, and we're developing agricultural systems under rainforest canopy, such as honey production, vanilla production, jungle rubber, um, dragon dye blood production, which will actually, 
in seven or 10 years when they come to production provide a sustainable economy which means that community will become rich and prosperous um, and so as well as obviously providing all the environmental resources for the planet and, lo and the local areas so th these things are always win-win situations if we have compassion for all living beings so it's not wildlife versus the environment or the economy um, so wildlife versus people, environment versus economy. It's about creating a world which is better, best for everybody. Being aware of others and in, in the impact that you have by making a decision to buy one product, what impact, what is the long-term impact? And that is something that I become very aware with because of palm oil. And of course, this is ravaging the planet and this whole area, you know, in Indonesia and all that because of the burning and planting and all that stuff. So let me ask you, um, because you are a one of the, the voices of the plight of the orangutan and the other species in these areas, when you're, have you, do you have a lot of direct contact with these multinational companies? Like, like I believe Nestle and all the snack companies are in there, like Frito-Lay and Pepsi and all that stuff. They're, mm -hmm. they are, ravaging this planet I'll, I'll just call them out i i don't have any problem with that i mean they it is what it is these companies are going in they're paying a, a, a cheap wage they're absolutely decimating ecosystems wiping out species they're leaving nothing left and it is just this slash and burn mentality literally and figuratively in the in the region um are you having discussions with them are they listening do they care are, are we seeing a, a change? Where do we stand with these companies coming in and doing this complete hmm. destruction? Yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a very good question. And I'll address that on two levels. One is uh, addressing the, the um, let's say, sustainable palm oil, which is not true because sustainable palm oil is grown as a monoculture and all monocultures are unsustainable by their very nature. That's how nature works. You know, and, that, and that's true in America, Europe. If you have a monoculture, you will end up destroying the environment and, and, and the productivity of that land. That's just the way the world works. And so there is no sustainable palm oil. But going anti-palm oil is not going to save one tree because there are many other unsustainable forms of monoculture which businessmen can put on the land once they gain the money from destroying the forest. And so we can spend all our time going palm oil free, which I think is a good idea, but we're not going to save one tree because we're not addressing the real driver. The real driver is a given access to land to destroy yeah, and, and, and place an unsustainable monoculture on to get very short-term gain at the expense of future generations and expense of local communities. That's the real issue. So um, secondly, addressing companies often, again, you know, is what will happen is if you say to this company, don't destroy that forest, um, there is a, a dozen other lit, uh, opaque companies willing to move in. Well, they're not going to destroy it. We're going to destroy it. You know, and so addressing single companies or single commodities um, on a superficial level seems logical, you know, if, you know, because that company or that product is replacing the rainforest and therefore if we attack them we're going to get an outcome but that's just not how the world works and so what we believe in is with these ecosystem is saving is ask the government for specific changes in land use status 
change it from production forest to ecosystem restoration concession, change it, you know, from um, production forest to um, conservation forest or community forest. So we're asking for specific changes and also as companies, we're asking them, we don't want you to sign some pledge in 2025, you stop destroying the planet and when 2025 come, you'll make it 2030 yeah. or, you know, or whatever greenwashing you'll do because that's what has systematically happened over a long period, you know. Um, Are you saying we, people don't keep their word? What? Yeah, exactly. They're just, they're just appeasing people temporarily so they can keep destroying the planet and make short-term yeah. profit. We're asking specifically, no, we want you to give up this bit of land and reforest this bit of land and connect these ecosystems here. So very specific asks is, is what we're asking. And, but even then, to be honest, that's a challenge. Um, you know, for example, Michelin is it has destroyed part of the ecosystem we're trying to protect. Which, okay, they're a big multinational. That's what they do. But they're selling the area that they've just destroyed as green credits as a conservation project. <laughs> so, you know, the irony and the cynicism of the big multinationals is, is you know, is really beyond our compare. And of course, there's people online now innocently thinking that supporting a green project when they've done actually opposite. It was when I turned, when I've been there, it's been beautiful rainforest and Michelin subsidiary have turned it into a desert wasteland. Um, you know, so th there's one of many examples. So um, public pressure um, and, 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 you know, people getting together, it, I think is fantastic, but we must be very much more targeted you know, it's a very specific ask. Otherwise, um, it's too wishy-washy. We've got 10 years to solve the problem, you know, and, and are it's there, not... Are governments listening to you? Are they are they at least hearing what you have to say and what the foundation's having to say with projections? Like, if this happens, we're going to see this happen down the road. Are they actually listening for change? Because now I think finally the whole globe has gotten the word that we are in, in you know such a such a race for a wipeout here you know what i mean the, the destruction is is in the crosshairs we can see it either we hit the brake now or we're just in a face oblivion are our countries and governments listening more or is it still all about the buck no they're not listening um in in some ways and it's it, it, I guess it, you know, it could be true in America, it's certainly true in Australia and in Indonesia. We've lost control of democracies to big businesses. Yeah. Um, you know, and so the funders and the supporters and the people who give these guys jobs and, and bribes through speaking fees and these sorts of things um, are basically are deciding what governments do. And of course, we hope after COVID-19, we would have a green recovery. This would be the reset to say, okay, now move forward in a sustainable way. But we're seeing not only in Australia, and we've, we've seen obviously until today in America um, and in Indonesia, they've actually um, reducing environmental laws, allowing companies more access to, to destroy the environment and pollute under the guise of econ need for economic recovery. Yeah. Um, of course, that's all unsustainable and destroyed. So we're actually seeing a doubling down, if that makes sense, yeah. from governments in the policies and practices which is going to destroy our, our, our planet. Um, 
they're using yeah. COVID as an excuse saying, oh, we have to do this to, to get the people back on their feet. I mean, I, I get it. The impact has been incredibly, it's been deep and incredible around the globe. No, there's no doubt about it. But um, so let me ask you this. So when you are getting these ecosystems, you're trying to protect certain areas. Are you guys buying land? Are you kind of doing a nature conservancy and just buying an, a, a section just outright and it's yours? Is that what you guys are doing? Um, no. And, and, and buying land is a very attractive sell. Um, but um, the vast majority of land and all the land of significance, of significant size, Indonesia is owned by the government. Mm -hmm. So you can sell bits of forest, but they usually are not conservation significance. It, it's good for marketing because, you know, again, it's that very simple idea. You buy the land, you protect it, that, that just appeases. But the reality is no, that's other than some very specific um, places, for example, you know, um, where the village, let's say moving a village or something specific like that, that we need for conservation. Mm -hmm. um, it's about leasing land. It's about changing land use status um, that still remains under control of the government and supporting their law enforcement. And it's about leasing land. Um, and this is what all the palm oil plantations, all the pot paper plantations we store. That's just leasing land. It still remains government land. You have a 60-year lease with a 99-year option. And, um, and conservationists need to follow the, the same um, path and, and lease the land and restore the um, rainforest and the ecosystem back to its functioning um, that it had before the destruction. Yeah. And in Zambia, they have the 99-year lease plan. But we've been very fortunate, and I, I was wondering in your area, we've been very fortunate that we have a wonderful relationship with se the senior chief, Nisefu. Um, he's, a, he's a wonderful guy who wants to be a great leader, and we've been fortunate enough that he's been granting us land for the projects that we've been doing because we're trying to help his community and bring in economic opportunities. We are in the midst of building our second school to educate the children of the area so they understand the importance of their wildlife and what it means to be good stewards of, you know, of the country and of the environment. So we're tackling all these angles, but having a really great relationship with Senior Chief Nasef, who has been has been amazing, and and we love seeing the leader that he's being right now. I mean, he's he's proud of what's happening in his sector. I was wondering, is there that kind of social structure in 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 Asia in the areas that you work? Is are there chiefdoms or there kingdoms like that? Is there any way you could work in the hierarchy of the specific area that you're in? Yeah, no, it, it's a really interesting question, and it's extremely varied. As Indonesia, you know, it's like a, a thousand different cultural groups over, you know, tens of thousands of islands and locations. So, it's, you know, it's it's diverse group, you know, um, um, and all of the Indonesian language may unite them. It's not often the, the native tongue. So it just give you some idea of diversity. Mm -hmm. And some areas we're working is, is actually really easy to work with our community because you know, they have, they may still have sometimes a very intact social system, you know, with their chief and, you know, and that sort of stuff. And, and you go in the village is all clean, you know, and everything's regulated and you can go in, does that make sense, very easily, you know, and, and work out win-win situations. So the mm -hmm. community wins and, 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 and the conservation sustainability happens. In other areas, it's a mess. You yeah. know, there's, there's groups coming from outside and bullying these groups. There's corruption chiefs 
who are illegally selling off land, you know, down down the road to make a buck. And, um, and so this, it can be this kind of um, social mess, if that makes sense, like yeah. a Wild West situation, yeah. literally. Um, and, and then it then becomes very much harder, does make sense, to bring all the diverse groups with, with diverse interests, you know, and um, to bring them all together, you know, um, for a win-win situation because there isn't that internal cohesion with all the um, people living in the ecosystem. Yeah. And, you know, we've just found that when we started this, we said it, we have to tackle poaching from all angles or it's not going to work. You just can't be an enforcer. You can't come into somebody's country and, hey, tell them what to do. That's never going to work. You have to come in as a team player. Uh With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, identify things that you, you see that maybe they're not seeing. Um, how can we be of assistance and support you? You know, like we said, we got the education, economic opportunities. We have our own ranger team. So we're really trying to cover the full spectrum so people feel like they have skin in the game like they are part of the answer of a, a new way to take care of Zambia and the future of Zambia so we found that it's really been working and and I wish everybody had that kind of situation like you said you have the wild west in certain areas where it could be anybody you're dealing with and you never know what you're up against but I was just wondering yeah but, I mean I'm, I'm very loathe to speak in national terms because mm -hmm. you're Nationalism is last bastion of a scoundrel. You know, there is no nation. These are legal fictions. We're all we're all beings who are living off this planet. And the artificial borders, for me personally, have, have no meaning. But, you know, we have to acknowledge, obviously, that exists. But from that perspective, um, Indonesia, you know, and, and these colonies are created, former colonies are created in debt in a way that allows Western countries to exploit their environment and their people to to bring wealth back to the West. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's a new player on the field, China, who's saying, okay, we want on, on this game now, you know, through the debt trap diplomacy. <laughs> yeah. and, and, we're, and, and, and we're going to add some more exploitation to these people by extracting wealth back to our country now. Yeah. Uh, and so how I see it is, as you know, you know, as some as some obviously come from a Western background, is you know, we're going in and trying to um, mitigate some of the damage of colonial, post-colonial or neo-colonial exploitation. So, okay, you know, our, our countries were are part of the problem, um, but we also want to be, you know, as citizens, is is working out the solution to mitigate the problem and to allow 
the local communities to be independent and prosperous, you know, and sustainable for their children and grandchildren. What, what would you say your biggest success so far is with, um, with the orangutan project? What would you say that you look back on it, you're like, this was more than I ever imagined. Like we achieved it. Have you found that thing yet? Um, what would you say you, you guys have really exceeded in? Of course, it's, it's still a work in progress. We have so much to achieve over a short period of time. Um, so, so talking about success can, it, 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 I guess, it's premature. It's certainly possible and we, could, and we are going to do it. But, you know, it, it, it certainly is still early days. Um, but the two things from a from a strategic point of view is um, we formed a joint company with two wonderful partners, P.T. Allen Booker Tigapulu, and we're leasing live track to lowland air, lowland area in the Booker Tigapulu ecosystem, mm-hmm. um, where orangutans are being released to reestablish extinct population. So that is uh, to me, you know, a, a wonderful step forward, and we're trying to, with other partners, replicate that success. In, in further ecosystems that we're we're bringing on, on online, but from a personal level, um, you know, bringing the orangutans back from captivity, being with their mothers at birth, you know, and, and helping raise them, and then taking them on that journey to, back to freedom to be independent persons in the wild on, on a more um, humanist um, viewpoint, that has also been a, a wonderful high point. How bad is the wildlife trafficking in your area? Is it is it out of control? Is it um, is it a, a difficult area to get to? Like, how is it? Because it just seems to be not slowing down at all. As much as the information's been getting out there, there are agencies trying to stop it. You know, intel and you know going online. It, like, how is how is the trafficking in your areas? Although overall it's horrific, you know, and it, the same people who do drugs and run guns are running the wildlife trade, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so these the large criminal syndicates are, are doing it and they're very powerful and they have a lot of influence. Um, and so it, it, is, it is very difficult to overcome them. But we can, you know, we, we support hundreds of dedicated rangers out in the field who, you know, at least one or two die a year, get killed doing their job, you know, so these are the real heroes, you know, day out and down in the jungle. And we've demonstrated that, you know, when we support these, you know, these brave young Indonesians, we can, you know, greatly mitigate the, the effects of, of poaching. And so it's really only a matter of scale, you know, and the main thing we're lacking is the resources, you know, the financial resources to, to invest enough to save enough over the next 10 years. You know, because, you know, there is brave young Indonesians, you know, who are willing to, you know, take the fight into the field. Um, and we have the strategy and, and the technical know-how through ourselves and and wonderful local partners. It's just really at the moment, it's just a lack of um, financial support, which is kind of stopping us getting where we need to as quickly as we need to. Yeah, and for anybody who's just tuning in, um, welcome to Coexist. Um, I'm speaking with Leif Cox. He is the founder and president of the Orangutan Project and runs about 800 other foundations in his spare time. And he writes books and he wins awards because he's awesome. But anybody who's just tuning in and listening about wildlife trafficking, what happens, what makes this such a heinous crime, and it is it is probably third 
the third uh, most successful illegal crime in the world behind drugs and uh, and human trafficking mm. is that these crime syndicates, these criminals and their syndicates move into areas of poverty and will pay five dollars to somebody to take out an elephant, get an orangutan, whatever the animal is, literally selling the soul of their country and the, their future for a few dollars because they're just coming in because they know there's abject poverty. So it, it takes a few dollars. Then at the end of the road, the horn or the animal parts or whatever are selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it is the most, to me, I just feel like there's a special place in hell for criminal syndicates in, in this field. I, there is just a special hell because not only are you obliterating species, you are taking advantage of people who are just trying to survive. And when you've got a little money put in front of you and you're just trying to feed your family, it, it is just really you're taking such advantage of people and their situation. Mm -hmm. It's just it's a special evil that's going on. And it's it's yeah. out of control. And, and and the ask is a little bit more aggressive than that. It's I don't I've heard a saying in, in you know, with the Mexican cartels, you want um, silver or lead. <laughs> silver yeah. is to pay you or the, or the alternative is not to get paid. The alternative is you're going to get a bullet. Yeah. And so absolutely. They force you into these decisions. Well, okay. I think I want to live. Okay. I'll go <laughs> take out a tiger or whatever. Yeah. I mean, this, this is how evil this whole thing is. So when you see any kind of exotic animals being smuggled out, anything to do with the exotic pet trade, any of that, you don't participate in it at all. Let the authorities know if you come across anything like this and let's get these people put away. I mean, it's the, the irony, and let's say we say palm oil plantations, child labor, rape, exploitation, modern slavery, environmental destruction, um, um, burning of indigenous community, village, you know, you name whatever crime, this is what's happening. Yeah. But when you meet the executive who's selling you, let's say, the palm oil in America, he's a nice guy. He's a nice white man with a suit, very polite, got a family, loves his dog, you know. But there's, there's, there's huge disconnect, doesn't make yeah. sense. It's a bit like um, with everything, I, you know, I love eating meat to, you know, um, to using products of destructive products in a wildlife trade. It's so sanitized come to us, you know. I know. It, it's all pretty in package. You're like, what? Mm. This is all perfect. Nothing, no, there was no suffering behind these potato chips. Not one bit. It's all good. You're like, really? If you, if you, I always liken it to if you, if you open the curtain behind a lion that you're looking at, a lion in captivity. If you saw the wreckage, the death and despair behind that line, you would go, okay, I'm not going to be participating in this anymore. I'm not going to go to the circus. I mean, when you see what's behind that and mm -hmm. it, it's not all pretty and packaged nicely, you're absolutely right. It's two, two kinds of criminals. They just wear different outfits is what it is. It, yeah, no, it, it, exactly. They're all part of the same system, but they're, they're kind of sanitized by the time we reach them, which allows us to live our lives. Does that make sense? you know, going around destroying the planet, you know, as good people. Um, because there's two things happening. One is the our destruction which is caused by us has been hidden from us. But we, we're also, to be honest, we're also compliant with that. We have cognitive dissonance. We really don't want to know. We really want to ignore the facts. 
And, you know, when it's a bit like being a vegan at the barbecue, I mean, you just agitate people. You don't have to say anything. Just being there is yeah. because you're basically um, they're, they're, you're threatening the, the suppressed knowledge, doesn't make sense, of your actions. Yep. You know, and you're threatening that and they get they just get annoyed at you, um, okay. but they don't really know why. Because, yeah, you know, it makes sense. I don't want um, to know where my steak comes from. I don't want to know. I'm like, really, you don't? You you ought to. Yeah, yeah, and, and so you know, so so we as humans, we have cognitive dissonance. is actually part of our framework. Is because as we've evolved, it's it's more advantage for the survival of humans to have group cohesion than to be right, because group cohesion and collectivizing properly is what's made us survive. And so we have this cognitive dissonance that we just want to believe that what our group is doesn't make sense, our tribe, and believe the narrative. And when somebody tries to um, object to that, there's a natural hatred and resistance of that. Yeah. Um, and that kind of worked pretty well when we're running around in the jungle, because, you know, as the way we evolved, but it's destroying the planet. And so we yeah. need some almost collective evolution. Uh, of within ourselves personally society to be able to allow us to look beyond our tribal brain you know and and and, and let our cognitive dissonance lay bare you know that makes sense and, yeah and, and good people um act in a way which is in the best interest of everybody so if you had um with all your years in conservation and you've spoken and you've written and been interviewed and you kind of look back on, on everything that you've seen and you've witnessed and tried to deal with, what would be the number one thing you would tell people um, to be either aware of or to change in their life so that we have a chance 10 years down the road and these animals have a chance what would be the one thing you would suggest would tell people what do you think is the most important well i i of course as, as my questions follow i have two but mm -hmm. uh, yes. uh two different levels. the first one is collectivize as individuals we can't achieve it and we've been sold a pup i think people destroying a plant love us to go out Go palm oil free, vegan, whatnot, and and sit on our you know little hippie farms and go. If we we look feel good about ourselves because we're not destroying the planet. Our, our impact on the world is is insignificant, if not nothing at all. Only way humans have ever achieved anything is by collectivizing. So if you really want to make a difference, you know, become join or, or support a collectivization of people who are going to achieve the meaningful outcomes you wish to change in the world. Mm -hmm. So my first thing is ask you to collectivize, you know, um, individual action is fine for your own moral um, thing. You may want to become a vegan. You may want to go palm or free. Any of these things is fantastic. And I, I recommend you do it, but you have to also take the leap to collectivize with others to, to achieve the, the, the outcomes that we need. Um, secondly, of course, is, you know, reflecting back is, you know, we have to reform ourselves before we can reform the world, you know. So I'm not suggesting that everyone has to sit in the Himalayas and, and um, contemplate the navel for 10 years before taking action. Um, but I've seen so many, as we've discussed earlier, so many times where people undertake, you know, a, a, a action to make the world a better place 
and they end up not achieving it and actually making things worse. So let's spend all spend some time, in a sense, with personal development and becoming more selfless, more happy, does that make sense, and more giving um, while we undertake collectivization um, to make meaningful change in the world. You know, um, and I'm sure you can relate to this, um, but when I go back to Zambia, so here I am in the U.S., very, you know, materialistic, commercial, you know, just go, go, go. It's just everybody's on cell phones. It's, you know, selfies. It, it's it, it dry. I'm insane in my own country because I am. I feel like I can't connect to it anymore. I want to disassociate from a lot of the behavior that I, I just see all the time. So when I go back to Zambia, I, I, I can't even explain it. I have an instant soul reset. I'm in the quiet. I see the majesty of these animals firsthand. I'm breathing the air. I see a sunset in a completely different way. I really feel like you are doing a disturb disservice to yourself if you don't break away and find that place of peace and 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 make, nothing calms you down quicker and more thoroughly than being in with nature and just listening to the earth just being out there and quiet and you know um i'm now a part owner of a safari camp with vic uh, called zacomo safari and when they do game drives, sometimes I'm like, hey, you guys go on your own because I want to sit on the Longo River and I just want to listen. I want to listen to Earth and I want to listen to what's going on. Oh, and yeah. I, I tell you, I, I, I was so I was so different when I came back. Everybody at work is like, oh, my God, you mm. you look different. I said, I am different. This is this is how I, I'm saving my soul is it. I think everybody needs to do this and and find that that foundation or that country that you wherever it is find that place where you want to help and you want to save it because you are so passionate about the impact that that place has um it it, it takes one person like you said to collectivize it, it's more powerful when you're with like-minded people trying to do big things you can set your sights on the moon and that's not mm -hmm. doesn't feel overwhelming and yeah. to reform yourself i mean yeah. That is a true statement right there. I also take echo tours into the rainforest um, with our partner, Rain Tank Odysseys. And, you know, and people often come back with deep, meaningful experiences for, for just the same reasons that, that you're, you're describing. Um, you know, it, it's going home, you know, and there's a, there's a, there's a peace beyond understanding, which is, which is, which is creating, is connecting people back to nature, but also, in a most, most more fundamental way, back to themselves, you know, and yeah. um, you know, my encouragement is is um, that deep connection of oneness with nature and other living beings that we may experience, you know, when we when, when we have these magical moments, is within ourselves all the time, but it's lost by the myriad of the mind, you know, in in, in daily life, and the opportunity to take that break and reconnect. Um, not only allows us for that moment to reconnect, um, but the, the challenge is also is to permanently connect to that. So we then bring back that love and compassion, doesn't make sense, and, and yeah. uh, back in back into our world. Um, and, and that naturally um, 
extends, I guess, goodness through our own actions, um, and but also um, it seeps out into those around us. You know, it makes the world a better place. You know, so being good and being happy and and peaceful and doing good, it's all the same thing. It's it's another win-win situation. You can be absolutely happy and content and do all those great things in the world. It, it's it's just a wonderful way to spend our lives. Yeah, and and uh, there's no there's no visual, no movie, no whatever whatever technology has created uh, that will give me the same feeling that being eye to eye with an elephant, a lone elephant, and you are just connected and you're just reading each other and you're. He, you're feeling what he's there's nothing like it. And, and I, I can't urge people enough. If you feel like your, your life is like out of control and your priorities are wrong and everything is just out of whack, this is what you need to do. You need to disconnect and you need to unplug and go somewhere. And then when you sense how beautiful and how lucky we are to have this planet and these forests and these magnificent species, then everything has value everything has meaning instead of this garbage that we're living in and have to watch on tv i mean oh i just i can't even connect with it anymore it's like like i can't wait i'm counting the seconds i was supposed to be in zambia for the whole summer last and i didn't get to go because of covid i'm like i'm counting the seconds till i i get to go back and work with the team and you know mm -hmm. that's that's uh Everything that you've said, Leif, there's a reason why you have won these awards and you've written these amazing books. In fact, the books you have um, in 2002, you came out with orangutans and their um, battle for survival. Then orangutans, my cousins, my friends in 2016. And then you came out with finding our humanity in 2019. And um, everything you said has resonated so deeply with me. I'm going to think about this interview forever I, I mean i'm so excited that you made time you're the busiest man on the planet running <laughs> 82 foundations and but i i have to ask you uh, a couple of things before we wrap up here so um there are many times because of the stress of running a foundation that i find myself i'm on the living room floor crying my eyes out because the stress you know you have people you have to employ and things go wrong and uh, da, 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 da. What what advice would you give, looking back, because you have a very storied career having this foundation and a successful one, what advice would you give to people in a baby foundation or somebody who wants to change the world and needs to make that first step? What advice can you give to somebody? Yeah, it's, it's back to the old, what I'm saying is reform yourself because um, you can go off on hope or some challenge and then as you're saying, naturally in this business, you're just going to be hit by brick walls and people and like as you, you know, constantly through the door. But if you're having the, the real reason why we should act is to express a love within ourselves, a joy within ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and, and therefore, it, you, it has to come out, if that makes sense. You have to do something. You have to express love. You have to help. And so there's no big imperative and it just keeps coming out. And when we have, um, you know, people and organisations we come against, we have to understand that we also have love and compassion for them. You know what I mean? So we don't hate somebody. We understand. Only reason somebody does anything bad is because one cognitive distance, and and that's related to the second one. At some level, they're in pain. 
-hmm. You know, if you're full of joy and love, you have to express it. I can't help making people happy. I just want to make them happy, you know, because that's his. But if I'm unhappy, no matter what I feel or, you know, think to myself, I want to create a better world. I'm just going to, that unhappiness will seep out. Doesn't make sense. And and so when somebody is 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 um, being negative to us and our cause, it's from a deep source of unhappiness. And you know, so and and so we have to understand on an intellectual level, but on a personal level, feel love and compassion for them. This idea of us against them, even against our enemies, is not how we're going to solve the problem. You know, yeah. and I, we talked about multinationals and the businessmen and that sort of stuff. But you may have somebody listening may come back with the impression that I hate these people and I don't have compassion. I don't want to create a better world for them. That's far from the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know that you know some of the people who I don't know running big oil companies. You meet them; they're, they're nicer people than people running conservation organisations. Sometimes they're not yeah. horrible people. Yeah. You know, they have cognitive dissonance. Doesn't make sense. A lack of empathy for others outside of their circle. Those sorts of things, which are just human traits, you know, and the only way we're going to change their minds and bring them along, that makes sense, if we don't represent the enemy to them, you know, and, and when we approach them, we, we approach them with the same love and compassion that we do for all living beings. Yeah, that's the way you win them is with love, because hurting people hurt people. And if you treat them with respect and gratitude and, you know, want to in, bring them into your world and tell them how excited you are and support them then it makes it really fun. It makes it things easier. You know, then you don't have to feel like you're hitting against a brick wall. It just, everything kind of falls into place when you approach it that right way. And if you are a, if you're somebody who's feels, I always say, if I looked at the big picture of conservation and I saw how many animals are being killed a day, um, I get overwhelmed easily. So I, I have to keep my focus down on what I can fix, the area I can fix and where I can create impact. If somebody wanted to make the foray into helping, um, what would you what would you say to them? Uh, would you say investigate nonprofits, see what they're all about, um, learn about something that you love? Like what? Mm-hmm. Is a lot of people feel they feel overwhelmed. Like I don't even know who to support or what to, what to yeah. do. You need oh, money, no. time. Yeah. Like what to do? It's the hardest thing in the world, you know. And people often will end up first giving and supporting organisations which have no meaningful outcome. Yeah. Um, because and we all do that in, in the beginning, you know. And I talk about this in my book, Finding High Humanity, my journey through that process. And you know, and but you know, after a while, you learn if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. the, the acid test is. I don't care how what your administration cost is. I don't care how efficient you are. I don't care about your marketing. I I care about measure how many trees are you saving, how many animals you're protecting. You know, ask the organisation that you want to support the meaningful outcomes, not the process in between. You know, it's just say no. You know, how, can, are you demonstrating if you're saying you're saving rainforest that you're that this forest is saved and how you're monitoring it. Are you you stopping poaching or what's the evidence? You know, have you surveyed number of tigers this year and what's the number of tigers five years later? Are you, you know, are you measuring? You are what you measure, if that makes yeah. sense. If, if you're not measuring those basic outcomes, then they're probably not doing it. And, yeah. and probably a good reason not measuring it because they're failing. And there's nothing wrong with failing, doesn't make sense. But, you know, you, you 
you've got to be honest and say, okay, we're, we're, we're making progress, but we're still slipping behind. With yeah. your support, you know, we know we can we can move this from here. Yes, yeah, um, so work with a foundation yeah. that is getting it done and not spending money on 82,000 calendars a year. If I get the same calendar from the same company, I'm like, really, if I had your marketing budget for calendars, I would have Africa dialed in. I'm like, like, how do you spend all this money? So make sure it's going to a worthy organization. And um, now let's talk about how people can help you and the foundation. So the website is the orangutan project uh, dot org. Mm -hmm. um, you can adopt a you can adopt a, an orangutan. There are lots of ways for you to help. What what area would you like people to learn the most about? Where do you need the most help? Um, well, the most the, the strategic outcome of saving these ecosystems. So, um, so there's adopt an orangutan, a donation, tax deductible donation in in most countries, mm -hmm. and then there's save forest where you could sponsor a bit of rainforest that. Um, mm -hmm guys on the, on the field of, are, are protecting so those are the three three main ways of connecting people through the individual orangutans that were being rescued through saving the forest and making it as a donation that we can strategically use to um, piece together the, the whole project so those are the three ways and then obviously post-covid you know you come on editor and you know and go to the project and see See really what's happening on the ground and see the real outcome of donations and, and, and how that's affecting the orangutans and the local communities. Um, that would be the, the, the other way of helping. And, and with, when somebody wants to learn about the EcoTour, they just go to the website and that's how they can get signed up in the information, how to participate? Yeah, how to help um, Echo Tours. Um, it's our partner, Orangutan Odysseys. They run the tours and I come along as the you know the expert guide uh, and take them to places the non-tourist places you know where they see the real people mm -hmm. and see real orangutans in, in the rainforest not the tourist tracks where most people innocently um end up and i do like um when we're in the jungle i do talks every night you know uh, you know uh, about certain about the subjects and, and take people on um not only a, a conservation journey but a personal journey um, for a, you know, a deep, meaningful experience. If I knew that you were going to be my tour guide uh, in speaking on my eco tour, I would have felt like I hit the lotto. Like, oh, oh the foremost authority on this species is going to be our tour guide. That's amazing. And I hope one day I get to uh, join you on one of those. And hey, when you're in Zambia, come visit us. We'll save a space for you. I'll take you on a tour there and have a great time. I, 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 I love to. It's always obviously as a biologist, conservationist, I've always been on my bucket list, but it's it's always been out of my financial reach. From Australia. So it's going to be one of those. Um, I, I keep buying a lottery ticket and if I do win, uh, I'll see you in Zambia. Well, we'll hook you up when you get there. We'd love to have you. And um, it, this has been I, I could talk to you forever. You're inspirational. You're compassionate. You're you have so much to share, uh, not only about the species you're protecting and the other species, but about being a better human being and being a better steward of the planet. And I, I always say the victory of this show is if one person says, I get it, I, I'm changing my ways, I get it, I'm going to do something about this, then it was, it was worth it all. And again, Leif Cox, my special guest, founder and president of the Orangutan Project, started back in 1998. He's a true veteran of this and many other things. And please 
Make sure you buy his books, learn more about this amazing foundation doing stunning work saving these magnificent animals. And um, I really appreciate you taking an hour of your day and spending time with our listeners on IQ Podcast. I want to thank Attorney King for being a great sponsor, Saquon Casino, Indian Motorcycles of San Diego, Serrano's, The Gym, and Ivy Fitness. Um, can't do it without these guys and IQ Podcast. So I hope you stay in touch. Please let me know, Leif, if there's any way I can help you and assist you in anything and getting the word out. I'm here for you. I'm here to support you guys and uh, such a joy. So best of luck in Australia. Happy 2021, my friend. Thank you. All right. Thank you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.